Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome again, and today we have a lady from the Windsor area, and uh, she was involved in a competition. And uh, so it's a great opportunity to see how she gives back to community. So Omelette Williams was part of the competition at the University of Windsor. And uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Good afternoon, good morning. Okay, so first of all, your first name is very interesting. Where did that come from? Thank you. My name is um, Omola Day, pronounced with a day, at the, I mean, like an accent E at the end. And um, it's Sierra Leonean, West African. Um, with, uh, Sierra Leone is known to have settlers from um, Africa generally, but West Africa at most, which is where the name generated from. Okay. So let's talk about your academic career after, okay. after high school. So after high school, um, I, I, I'm struggling with the education system, what you call high school, but um, I was in England. I went to college. I went to university, got a um, BS, uh, BSc in information systems management, did um, HND, a diploma in um, um, information technology, business information technology, had an industrial management um, certification as well. Certified as a Microsoft engineer and uh, went to university, did my master's. And in between that, I have a whole lot of certifications in between from work or um, training. So your master's, what was the major? Knowledge management. Okay. Innovative manufacturing. So you're a worldwide educated person. Um, two continents. I would say two or three continents, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about your work experience. Right. So um, not to spend too long, I've worked from business, nonprofit, charity, local government, government positions, corporate, um, European um, specialist management, product management specialist across Europe. I was managing that. And um, business analyst for First Nation here in Canada. Network analyst. I mean, um, I've done my fair bit. So how did you end up coming to Canada? To be honest, I wanted to give my kids um, a fair world view of um, how to um, integrate with different um, nationalities, um, different, um, should I say, um, um, way of life, basically cultures. Um, I, I was born and raised in England. I, my parents uh, are West African. However, I had the foresight and foreknowledge to know that, um, or to observe and experience that my kids need exposure, the way the world is evolving. Because back in the, between the 80s and 90s, which I hope I'm not giving too much of my age away, 
um, Britain was losing a lot of their um, manufacturing powers to um, other countries, other continents. And it just gave me an idea, made me feel that and my kids need exposure because of I'm a go-getter, I'm a determined person, and my kids learned of that. And I don't want them to end up in, a, in an environment where they they cannot operate in, even though they may have the respect, the value, and everything else. So I wanted to expose them a little bit more. So how did you end up becoming an entrepreneur? Well, um, it's uh, twofold. I, in England, while I was in England, I did a lot of work where I... Um, I supported and helped, um, should I say, the minorities, unemployed mothers who wanted to get back into work, personal development, um, also people wanting to travel to the first world, you know, um, provided them with their side of understanding their culture and getting them to understand the culture they were migrating into. So I did a bit of, a fair bit of that in England. Um, moving to Canada, um, I, I moved to Canada on the skilled workers program, expecting to be able to get back into my skilled trade, basically my profession, a qualified profession. Unfortunately, I've not been that um, fortunate. So um, again, as a go-getter and having to pay bills, I'll do anything I needed to do. Um, not not in that, not negatively, but positively do what I needed to do, whatever job came my way, um, to put to pay my bills. However, um, spiritually minded, um, I thought that there's a reason, I serve a purpose. And so my journey through the jobs I was, I got, I was able to get to pay my bills, I got to learn how privileged I was, how, and again, how unfortunate um, other nationalities, especially the minorities, the black minorities were facing. A lot of us, um, migrated to Canada based on um, feeling that with their qualifications we'll be able to get a job within our skill set or be trained or have the opportunity to to um, basically go for the job like everybody else. But that's not the case. And it pained me. It really hurt me because I was very fortunate to have lived my education in England and had such high-level jobs and paying jobs as well. But then to find that in Canada, I can't do that. So I spoke with a number of them at a church or uh, wherever I meet them. We talk because they're not very happy about the situation. And, and to be honest, I'm not very, um, I'm not fast to judgment about discrimination. I am not fast enough to look at that. I don't go for racism because whether people want to face up and accept, we all have our prejudices and how we act on it is what causes discrimination and we have it with among ourselves as black people we are not united so we cannot point the finger if we cannot support ourselves or unite to get somewhere i mean it's been it's been it was circulated that i may be black even though i'm black it's been written and said i may be black i've been discriminated in my own local community that i may be black uh, that I haven't been long enough, I haven't been in Windsor long enough to have a voice or to speak for the black people. And that was, that's in writing. So I, I, I mean, it hurt because I thought for what they stood, they would understand and work together and try to unite and not create fractions. 
of factions, which is what they've done. And they're doing, because all they see is we have a right. I don't believe we have a right. I believe that we have to work and show that we deserve to be respected, to be valued for what we produce, like every single person, you know? So getting into entrepreneurship was to help be the middleman between those who immigrate into Canada, especially the black force and the employers. And for them to understand also that it's not a case of diversity and inclusion for numbers, as in multi multinational, it's more multicultural. If we educate ourselves in understanding our culture as we, as we when we move, migrate into Canada, we have to understand the, the Canadian culture, adhere to tax laws, requirements, policies, that they should also take the time, not necessarily for every single country you have to understand, but understand there's a culture that drives people. And that is where I come in, to ensure that there is education on both sides and take the positive out of discrimination. Diversity is not adversity. We are unique in our own ways. It's the what. Now, the issue that we're facing here and everywhere else in the world, I would say, is the how. How do we become inclusive? For me, it's the how. And there's so many areas that are open to anyone to explore. And with the employers, they need to understand that you don't just employ light-skinned minorities and you think you're, you're diverse. If you look around, in most places or most in my general observation is that when it comes to leadership opportunities and roles and management roles and opportunities, black, dark skin um, are not found there. So for me, we are suffering from the inclusion of 50 shades of color. It's, it's a big thing that we need to recognize. It's a very, very uncomfortable conversation. It's very, very courageous if anybody wants to, to sit and talk about it at the bluntest, most direct way. If you're going to walk away educated and, and understand the other side of the, of the fence. So what's interesting about you, you are a social innovator running a social enterprise, and you're an advocate as well. Indeed. So you wear many hats. I try to. <laughs> so let, let's talk about your organization. How did you come up with the name? So my organization name is Beneficent Learning Access. But then Blackcess seems to be intriguing and generate some kind of interest because it's a learning beneficent means you learn you're educated you benefit you value you get you receive we exchange so one of the important things when you run a business is to have partnerships can you talk about partnerships partnerships um it's, it's a bit of a um how should i say um, it's not something I'm looking particularly for. I'm looking for alliances because I am Jane Bloggs from nowhere. No one knows me. I wasn't born and raised in, in Canada. So I am seeking alliances with consultants who have diversity and inclusion 
um, um, projects where I can lend my knowledge because all I'm doing and all I'm providing and the service I provide is knowledge on how, on the how. So um, I'm also looking at organizations such as um, the multicultural centers, um, the local immigration partner, I mean, program partners, and the like immigration organizations as well. We need to ally to provide a service because I've looked at basically the supporting materials. I mean, other than the picture and the words, I can point out a number of areas that have not been tackled that is as simple to indicate inclusion for all ethnic minorities, even though I'm positively looking at the black professionals migrating to Canada, not getting the jobs that they've spent thousands to acquire, to gain, and they have to move into Canada where they said there are jobs for you, haven't verified their qualifications, and having to pay maybe another few thousands with no jobs to support the payment for them to get to the level that Canada dictates. That doesn't make sense. Okay, and I'm going to send you some organizations who you Thank might you. be able to align with. I appreciate that. So one is a, a fellow I did a podcast with, Hamlin Grange. I don't know. I know him. Oh, you I'm do? I've observed, no, I've witnessed his delivery, and I did try to contact him. Okay. Well, there's a podcast that you can listen to about him, and that might help you. That would be great. But, but I do have others. So, specifically, what are your programs, your services, your events that your organization runs? So, I'm really a startup, although I do um, a lot of work um, on the side with young um, graduates and those who call um, and need the support. However, I'm, not, I'm trying not to reinvent the wheel. I don't intend to, it's not my mission, because there's a, there are a lot of materials on the website. So I'm in conversation. Like the podcast, it's another way to get the message out and for one to listen and engage me. So we have a conversation. Workshops will be delivered very with focus groups or conversations. Because I find that we all zoom, okay, I, yeah, I get it, it's COVID time, but we are all zoomed out teams out or whatever it is and we're all powerpointed out so if we have a conversation also and the benefit of having a conversation having a true courageous conversation is that you feel free hopefully you see it as a safe space to speak and ask questions that are burning that you need to have answered you know, and so how, so for example, HR, when they go through their AI um, selecting um, employer, employees, potential employees, I mean, take out the name option of it, take out the education aspect of it, because we say we're suitable for the job. Let us come and show and discuss how we can do the job, right? And then you turn around and have a negotiation between yourself and the employee to understand their background. Like, okay, you've got vacation days. We offer you vacation days. Tell me something that I don't know about you. For example, maybe your religion. For, this is a fasting period of, they've ended for the Muslim today. 
right? They can work as in providing days of unpaid days if they want, if they feel that they can't afford to pay more, or offer them extra hours in the week so that they make up the hours for the days they have to take out to go pray. I mean, we pray on Sunday, so it doesn't for some of us that work um, uh, maybe five days a week and weekends don't count. We go to church on Sunday. What about the Muslims that pray on Friday? And what about jobs that have shifts that goes Friday and Saturday? Why don't we? So if the HR person or corporate HR do acknowledge the fact that there are things that they have to take into place, it doesn't have to be written, but it's something that they can get from the employee so that they can gain access to the skill set and their, and their, and their um, experience rather than turn them away because they don't feel included in the, within the organization. So have you considered running virtual events at all? Yes, it's, it's something that I, would, I am working on. And I, um, I'm, it's just I, after last week, I'm just taking time out to re, regroup and also be able to figure out which what would I go first. And fortunately for me, I've, this is my first of two podcasts I have to do this week. So, I mean, I need to know basically how to reach and how I can be engaged as well. So I can be financially reimbursed for my efforts and the information that I'm providing to employers as well as to non-paying clients so that they meet uh, in the middle and work out a good, um, uh, should I say contract, with a nice handshake. It doesn't have to be monetary. It has to be between them. It has to be, it has to be uh, an inclusive kind of contract. So what you need to do is join a speaker's bureau because you speak very well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so you haven't thought about that. Because they, yeah. they can pay very well. I never thought about that, but that's a very good one. <clears throat> I coached a lady who was a medical doctor, and her thing was 3D printing. Right. And the first contract that we got was 7500 uh-huh. for a 30-minute presentation. That's nice. Yes. That's really nice. Yes. Okay. So let's talk three years from today. Right. What's your organization going to look like? So if for three years from today, I would really, my dream and my aspiration that is that I create set a template that can be used or utilized across Canada and beyond. Second thing is to get into the analytics of getting data. One of the things that Canada lacks, and I know they're trying to get into it right now, is um, data. And most of us don't like filling in surveys, I have to admit. But then there are organizations that need to provide the data for one to make it, for one to come to an informed decisions decision. So I know um, that, and it was something that I've raised with a couple of people. Let me, can I, can I know how many um, ethnic minority um, you employ? Or um, what have you got that's inclusive? You know, as far as they're concerned, they're happy that they have many, organi- many countries represented in their organizations. 
However, if you take a look at the snapshot of the organization, then you don't see the black, the very black person among them as ethnic. So um, for me, I think that it goes beyond just color. It, I mean, it goes beyond just numbers. It goes beyond just um, countries represent, being represented. It's more to do with are we representative of the, of the human race. It sounds like you're going to set up what I call social franchises in different communities and maybe in different countries. So well, I aspire to that. It's, uh, it's better than franchising because it's social. Yes. Okay. So what about your team? Do you have a team that helps you? I do have um, teams. I do have members that, yes, that, I, that either coach me or they provide um, information on ideas to me. And what we haven't formulated, should I say, kind of like a board where we meet on a regular basis. But yes, I do have um, access to, to esteemed mentors, both black and white. Excellent. One of the challenges in the area of racial discrimination and diversity is that organizations operate in silos. Indeed. They don't go across. They don't work together. How would you change that? Uh, I, I, one of the things that's come out of COVID is the number of networking that's taking place. And I'm um, on a number of them. I do attend a few consultants, businesses. Um, and you're right. How do we create a link where we can lean on each other? And that's a tough one. Because it's a it's a habit that has been formulated that needs to be re-examined. I won't say broken because I mean it's up to them what they get from it. However, um, it's to be honest, education works. I am all for education, and I don't mean go to school because to be honest, I know they have certification in diversity and inclusion. You cannot teach people to feel or think. Oh, you cannot change. You cannot do that. I mean, I don't feel you can. You cannot teach me. I mean, even even within an organization, and they want to send me for the training. I would say I am a living witness, an experienced person who is diverse and needs inclusion. So I think there are better ways in which to do that: workshops, engagement, um, conversations. So outreach into the community and connecting with the community, whether it's politicians or academic institution or corporations or nonprofits or charities. Indeed, indeed. Okay, so now we have an idea where you want to go. How are you going to fund all this good stuff? At the moment, I've been bootstrapping, and I'm looking for, um, I'm currently, actually, yesterday I was looking at what grants are available that I can go for, and it's, it's a challenge, I have to be honest. So while I'm doing that, I am still trying my hand at networking, and whichever way I can get the message out, and see who I can ally with to start delivering some of this um, 
projects so workshops well one of the most important things for foundations and government grants is to do outcomes measurement uh-huh. a lot of organizations spend their time on outputs and outputs only tells me that you ran 40 webinars and you had 2,000 people. And as an organization, or as a funding organization, I want to know what was the impact of those workshops six months after people took them. So I was on an event yesterday and uh, it's gone. You know, I don't remember a lot about it. Wow. But I, I mean, I want to have people deliver information and ideas that six months later, somebody comes to me and said, what did you get from that workshop? Uh-huh. How did it impact you? Uh-huh. And that's what foundations and government organizations are looking for. It's the outcomes. So, okay. So, let's get down to brass tacks. What is your website that people can reach you at? Um, it's um, blackcess.ca, www.blackcess.ca. Okay, that's, uh, that's not complicated for most of us. <laughs> So I'd like to uh, thank you for spending the time this morning and finding out about your illustrious education background. Thank you. Your travel background, your advocacy, and your passion. So thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to be able to talk about my business.